It's that time. Your fix is here. College football is a year-round discussion with these two. Here's J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan of ESPN and J.C. Sherbert of 24-7 Sports have you covered. Beginning right now. And welcome, everybody. It is episode number 217 of the illustrious J.C. and Morgan podcast, part of the Chief Sports Network and broadcasting now live every Monday and available on every platform imaginable, audio and visual, audio on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, video on YouTube. We always uh, enjoy those of you that watch us on YouTube each and every week. Those numbers continue to climb. It's not because we're uh, the eye candy. Uh, Some people just prefer a little visual. I do that when I listen to... uh, my favorite podcasts, if there's a if there's a video version, I'll have it on. Even if I'm not even looking at it, I just I don't know. I like I'm a, I'm a TV generation guy. Sometimes that's just the way I roll. We're also on Facebook and Twitter. You can also check out the website jcandmorgan.com. If you ever have an email, you can go to the mailbag section, and we will take care of you there as uh, well. We've got a, a lots to get to, lots and lots to get to, including a very special guest. You know, we don't go guest heavy. In the middle of the season, in the off season, we had, I mean, we had kind of a, a murderer's row of guests and former quarterbacks and people that you know and trust in college football. Uh, but we have been, um, I guess you could say he's a friend of the program, Tim Brando, uh, who works for Fox Sports and has been synonymous with college football for much of his career, the original uh, host of College Football Game Day on ESPN. And uh, he's been, you know, gallivanting around the country, but he's he's like us. He's got an eye on everything and always has thoughts. We'll get to him in the uh, uh, second half of the show, about 10 o'clock Eastern, if you're watching or listening to us live. Uh, and we'll do our typical around the SEC. We'll, we'll have to cut some other things short because because of the, our guest. But we do have... We do have the one and only JC5, so the morale of a great nation will still be relying exclusively on what JC comes up with in his JC5. And with that being said, without further ado, I say good morning to you, JC, from Atlanta to Chi-Town. Yeah, happy Chi-Town today. The Bears won with a backup. Yeah. Here's your quarterback, man. D2, this, baby. Yeah, the D2 guy, the undrafted free agent rookie. Uh, led the Bears to a win over the Raiders, and Brian Hoyer, who uh, is 175 years old, um, came in, and uh, I picked him up on my fantasy team, Mike. You probably didn't notice this because I wasn't playing you, and I actually won this week. But Good for Tre- you, man. Trevor Lawrence was kind of questionable, right? And lo and behold, he plays. He's one of my other quarterbacks, but I had picked up Brian Hoyer <laughs> to put him in. Uh, and uh, so Hoyer was my one of my starters. He, he had zero points. Uh, and uh, lucky for me, I had the Bears defense, though. So all those interceptions and stuff got me a lot of points. But uh, everybody's happy now, and I think the better this guy plays, the less chance Justin Fields has of probably being the starter again in Chicago. So that was a bright spot. Um, really, a Was good Justin weekend. Fields still blaming everything that went wrong on somebody else, even though he didn't start the game instead of Tyson – Baguette. Bag, bag, sounds yeah, like something yeah. you get in France. So it's like a pastry. I'll have the uh, the I, baguette. 
this guy managed the game though. And then Deontay Foreman, former Texas running back, had a really good game for Chicago as well. And the Raiders are not very good, uh, and obviously they have quarterback issues as well. But um, it was uh, it was a nice win. But anyway, we're not here to talk about the Bears. Uh, college football this weekend was uh, fantastic. A lot of good games, a lot of surprising games. Uh, I thought some frustrating losses. Some teams showed us who they were uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, so, um, you know, Hey, yeah, it's good to talk about it this week and, uh, head on into the next week. Uh, I'm not going to talk NFL, although yes, the Bada Bing fantasy team also uh, clinched a victory even without Monday night football. Thank you, Travis Kelsey, the pride of Cincinnati. <clears throat> um, I don't even remember him in college, but golly, he is one of the best to ever played the position. Yeah, and, uh, and pretty at good the in the level. dating. I'm, I'm looking at dating. Am I pronouncing this right? Is it Baguette? Yeah, Baguette. Bag- bag- uh, yeah, bag- yeah. <laughs> hey, this just in. He's dating Taylor Swift. I had no idea. I don't think we get Man. enough uh, gratuitous shots of the <laughs> of the booth and him dancing and celebrating with uh, Pat Mahomes' wife. That that never gets old. Please give me more network television. Um, but Baguette. I had to look this up, of course. Uh, full disclosure, I was not familiar with Division II Shepherd University. Shepherd University, uh, where he was the quarterback, and he won the prestigious Harlan Hill Trophy. Now, that is given to the basically the MVP of Division II football. Not 1AA, keep in mind. I mean, 1AA, FCS, there's a ton of pro athletes that come out of FCS. This is D2, and he played there uh, at Mighty Shepherd University before being an undrafted free agent, um, Division II All-American 2001-2002. You know me. I, when I do a deep dive, JC, I can't stop myself. I'm surprised I didn't do this into the odd hours of the night. Um, had a little bit of doggy drama, which I, I, I'm not going to get into today because it's too uh, too heavy. But um Shepherd College, established in 1871, located in Shepherdstown, West Virginia. I had no idea this was even a thing. So congratulations to uh, Mr. Bagent in uh, Shepherd College. All right, now to the D1, to the FBS boys. Um, for me, JC, the, the, the games that uh, I entertained – I I made the mistake. I fell in the trap. Now, I didn't pick Penn State to win it, but I did pick them to cover. And they could have covered. They did keep it close. But it, you just, I don't know. Uh, Drew Lauer was not up to the task. It, Franklin doesn't win these games. Penn State looked anemic. I, I By now, we all ought to learn our lesson. You know, Maybe Penn State bounces back, and maybe they actually do win one of these games against Michigan. But for now, um, uh, lesson learned for me, don't ever think that all of a sudden Penn State and James Franklin are going to win this type of game. I made the same mistake. I think I picked them straight up, Mike. So, And, look, the game turned when they had the, uh, the scoop and score. Penn State was about to go up 10-3, to three, and it was a holding penalty. And it was a penalty. I mean, it was a holding. They held Marvin Harrison Jr. down the field. So, all of a sudden – uh, instead of being a 10-3 to game in favor of Penn State, it would be a 10-3 Buckeyes. And they just pulled away from there. Penn State could not get anything going offensively. Ohio State's defense, uh, credit Jim Knowles, their D coordinator, who's good. Um, 
they were not that great last year, but they have gotten a lot better. That that defense on, for Ohio State's legit, and that's good because their offense isn't really what it was. Uh, quarterback wise, I think has, has a lot to do with it. But uh, hats off to Ohio State for winning the game. They're back in the mix big time, and uh, we'll go from there. But uh, certainly, if you're you're hoping this was a breakthrough year and things had changed at Penn State, like I was. Well, I think the Big Ten secretly was kind of hoping that too, because honestly, there is a Grand Canyon-sized difference between the top three teams in that league and everybody else. You saw what Iowa did or didn't do. I mean, they simply can't score. I know they got jobbed on the the fair catch, not fair catch, but still, that was a pathetic offensive performance again, and and no excuse for them to lose against Minnesota this year, who's not very good. Um, All the you know, Michigan State is down. Wisconsin's trying to find itself. Like, there's just nothing about that league. I don't want to hear from Big Ten fans, and I have several friends that are alums and fans of those particular programs. I don't want to hear that the the, the SEC plays a bad schedule or uh, we're deeper than the pack. Or there's you got you got two really good teams: Michigan, Ohio State, uber talented, first round draft picks all over the place. Um, you know. I would say well-coached, although Ohio State fans, if Ohio State loses that game again and three in a row to Michigan, they'll want Ryan Day fired. Uh, but overall, they're, they're well-run programs. And you got Penn State, who's kind of like just always knocking on the door but can't get in. And then you've got what? You've got what to celebrate. So, And we'll talk about this with Brando later on. Like, yeah, it's an SEC. It's a down year in the SEC, kind of, sort of. But my goodness, the middle of the SEC is bigger, better than the middle of the Big Ten. It, 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 there's no question it is. Um, all these leagues are top heavy, and then you know we'll get it into the JC five. North Carolina doesn't show. Uh, we should get used to this by now too. I, I love Mac Brown, and Mac Brown's a great coach. He's done a lot of great things, but this is the kind of game that Mac has suffered through for so many years. Inexcusable to lose that game at home to Virginia. Inexcusable with everything that was on the line. You just you just can't quantify that. And then we've got Southern Cal and and another loss to Utah. I mean, Utah owns you, Trojan fans. Owns you. And I tweeted out afterward. Uh, actually, I used the judge from one of my uh, uh, dimers, JC. I don't know if you saw that, but my cousin Vinny, what's a Ute? Well, if you don't want to know what a Ute is, Ask Southern Cal and Caleb Williams because they've lost three games to them in a year and a half. So they know they know very well what a Ute is. I also mentioned, um, yes, for my money, there is still, and I've said this for years, no more underrated coach in college football than Kyle Winningham. None. None. He is not supposed to be winning the pack at Utah. By the way, beautiful Rice-Eccles Stadium in my back backdrop for those watching mm-hmm. on YouTube. All right, I know we're in a time crunch. Let's see if we can do this quick, JC. JC five, roll them. All right. So we did get, uh, we do have a couple of uh, repeats there, but we've already touched on. So we should get through this pretty fast. Alabama was man enough. Alabama was man enough. They fell down, you know, twenty to seven. Here we go again, and then all of a sudden, man, something clicked, and they took over the game, and it was it was like old Alabama. Uh, beating Tennessee. I, I, I kind of have a theory. I think Tennessee, we're going to find out this year, is a much better home team than road team. It's just one of those mm-hmm. years. Uh, and I think that's the case for a lot of SEC teams, quite frankly. Uh, because they're not that the good. Tide, 
Yeah, it's just, uh, you know, it's tough to win on the road. And when you're not good enough to win on the road, you, you're probably, uh, obviously, to sound like John Madden, you're not going to win on the road. <laughs> so, uh, boom. hey, boom. And when you score more points, then that means you're probably going to win the game. Hey, look um, at this guy here. He's going to pull and he's going to block two of these guys. He's a big pork chop. <laughs> so, anyway, Alabama man enough. I, you know, I think they're getting better and better. Uh, it's going to be one of those years. And, and, and Paul Feinbaum or somebody said something about this. Like Nick Saban probably loves coaching this team better than some of the teams that blew everybody out. Cause you actually have to coach, you know, you actually have to like say, okay, crap. We're, we're coaching a lot is about problem solving. Uh, and I think he would tell you that. So I, I think, whereas at the beginning of the year, Saban was looking a little old and frustrated and all, I think now he's been rejuvenated cause he's just kind of that twisted. You know, I think sometimes he'd rather win a close game and struggle so he has something to do the next week, right? Totally agree. Uh, the question was posed last week on another show that we were on, who's the best one-loss team in college football, and my answer was Alabama, and it remains Alabama. And the fact that they were they were 11th last week in the AP Top 25, come on. Does anybody honestly think Alabama's not a Top 10 team? They They moved up to nine in this poll. Um, Alabama, there, there, there's not eight teams that are better than Alabama. And, and Milrow does just enough to keep them honest and can make plays with his feet, and that defense is nasty. And, yeah, are you man enough? I mean, Alabama, it was a man against boys in that second half. It really was. They just imposed their will on Tennessee. And, um, you know, you fall down 13-0. That's, that's a panic button for a lot of teams in college football. It's not for Alabama. Uh, been there, done that too many times. So I, 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 I still think we're on a collision course. Now, LSU could beat Bama. I did pick that at the beginning of the year. I might want to mulligan on that. But for now, it's an Alabama-Georgia world in the SEC. What else, what else is new from that standpoint? All right, number yeah. two. Speaking of what else is new, Utah was also man enough. Five straight over the Trojans. Uh, and, and I'll kind of pivot here and ask you about this. Emmanuel Acho uh, oh. had a had a had a oh. tweet that suggested Caleb Williams. Now that everything's out of reach, should just hang it up for the rest of the year. Uh, I think that would hurt his draft status. Uh, yeah, I saw somebody use the word generational with him again the other day. I think he's an awfully talented player, Mike. But that guy is not a generational quarter. Generational quarterbacks don't turn it over five times against Notre Dame or have an offense that turns it over for throw three picks against Notre Dame. Generational quarterbacks don't continuously get beat by Utah like he does and then talk smack. Uh, generational quarterbacks don't float out there that they may like – they want ownership of a franchise or want this, that, and the other. This guy's not LeBron James. He's not He's not even Sam Bowie. I mean, he, he's a guy that needs work uh, as a, to be a great player in the pros. Um, and I think he'll find that out the hard way. But uh, I, I thought that was a, a piece of ridiculousness on top of the fact that these guys keep losing to Utah, and that's ridiculousness. That's, that's the sound you hear in the background now, right now is a bunch of Gen Zers uh, Googling Sam Bowie. Um, I, I, uh, I don't know Emmanuel Acho personally. I know of him. He's, he's a good guy, and he's not one of these hot take – I, I, you know, he, this is not Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith. When I tweeted it, I actually retweeted it and I said, please tell me you're kidding. 
um, suggesting that Caleb Williams quitting would be a good, sound decision right now. Wow, man, that is just, I don't know where to start. We don't have enough time in this segment. We'll talk about that with, with uh, Brando as well, but that would be an insanely defeatist attitude that I don't think would ring well in the draft. Is he going to be a top five pick regardless? Yes, but man, oh man, I wouldn't want that on my resume. And you're right. There's a lot of bad body English when things don't go well. When you're going to be a starting quarterback in the NFL, you can't just be a front runner because especially when you're drafted really high, you're going to a bad team. You're going to a team that's going to lose a lot of games. You're going to a team that's flawed offensively. Uh, you you could be going to the Chicago Bears. You, you That's not the kind of thing that's going to go well for you in a 10-year NFL career where a good season in the NFL sometimes is winning nine games. A great season in the NFL is winning like 11 or 12. But you, you, you don't want to go down that road. No, he shouldn't sit out the rest of the year. That is That is crazy, ridiculous talk. I don't think he will. Um, the bigger story to all this too is Lincoln Riley. And at some point, you know, you got to ask yourself and Oklahoma fans, you know, are just grinning ear to ear over this. There's a, there's a lot of, I told you, I, he doesn't stress defense and they don't play it. And let me tell you something, they have Washington, Oregon, and UCLA left. So you better start figuring it out. They brought in Alex Grinch, who's a, a you know, a, a good reputation DC, but when it continually doesn't work with multiple DCs, it kind of reflects on the head coach, does it not? And you can't tell me they don't have athletes in LA. Did they, did they not spend any of that NIL money on the defensive side of the ball? Oh yeah, they got a kid named Bear Alexander from was going to be Georgia's starting defensive tackle. Uh, you know, they they they've got guys, right? They got guys. I mean, they just they just they're not tough. They're they're not they're not they're not a very physical football team, uh, but yeah, it, interesting enough. Spencer Rattler, who you know Caleb, everybody likes to compare Caleb Williams to Spencer Rattler, and they crap all over Spencer a lot. Uh, Spencer Rattler's on a bad uh, what is right now a bad football team with no offensive line, getting his brains beat in every day. You watch his body language compared to right. Caleb Williams, complete opposite. Five, four. I mean that dude. I mean you, you want to talk about impressing scouts, and I, I think Gamecock fans would are, are mad right now, so they're going to disagree. That, that like that game Saturday where he just yeah. hung in there mm-hmm. and just got his tail whipped and was still competing at the end of the game trying to complete passes down the field right. and stuff that impresses scouts That's because like you said right. they know you're going to a team that probably if you're high, a higher pick that, that needs a quarterback or whatever so it's just kind of funny how the worm has turned. Uh, in some ways, now I'm not saying Rattler's going to go ahead of Caleb. That's not what I'm saying. But everybody likes to compare those two. We'll look at Drake the difference. Drake Maymite. Everybody trashed Rattler because he was a cocky high school kid on a TV show, uh, you know, and all this praise for Caleb. And now, if you look at the bo- but, the maturity and body language, it's, it's complete opposite. Well, that's the difference. Rattler grew up uh, like so many of us do when we go from 17 to 20. Yeah. And And Caleb might be the same guy. It might be the same guy. Look, I'm not, I'm not here to crap all over Caleb Williams. He, he's got a chance to be a terrific talent and a great uh, pro. But all that talk, which he didn't bring that on now, in fairness, but it was brought out. And the body English, uh, again, kind of sucked. The, the whole fingernail thing, I'm over that. I, I don't yeah. – you know, it made himself look like, look like an idiot. But it's not like 
it, it's, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden he's he's a bad dude. But um, yeah, he looked awful against Notre Dame. This one wasn't on him as much as it was the the defense. Uh, we'll see. I, I think they've got two or three more losses left on that schedule. All right, all right, number three. Kudos to Tony Elliott. Just when you thought the cab the Wahoos were dead and buried and gone, and they are not very good. Uh, along comes Mac Brown with a buffet of opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> and they ate, you know, how, you know, how a couple of years ago, everybody's like, let's eat, you know, yep. uh, when they talk about uh, players and stuff, let's go eat boys, Virginia ate. And my God, you know, that, that was, that's the worst loss anybody's taken this year. I think it's, it's right up there. I mean, you have to, you have to think of what was, what was ahead for the Tar Heels. You know, Louisville took care of itself uh, the week before. And so, I mean, it was it was tailor made for just a Tar Heel seminal championship game, where a lot of people would have would have been saying, "Yeah, I'll take I'll take UNC." Mm-hmm. I'll, it's I'll Charlotte. Take... Game's in yeah, Charlotte. it's in Charlotte. Yeah. You got you got Drake May. You got they're playing defense. They're physical all of a sudden. Um, it's it's an inexpl- I mean, look, it's what we love about college football: the unpredictability, um, particularly below that you know elite level. But then it's also what just frustrates the hell out of certain fan bases because, man, that's about as good an opportunity as North Carolina is going to have in a while to play for, for really, really high stakes. Penn State, you are who we thought you were. Yeah. And we, we discussed this pretty well, but I, I, you know, same old, same old there. Yeah. I mean, first off, give Ohio, Ohio State has like, ridiculous defensive talent um we always focus on the offense because it's a lot of shiny toys but but defensively that's an sec elite defense loaded with pros and to throw a 19 year old drew hour out there and i i i kicked myself because i thought he was different that he would be able to not Mm -hmm. perform like a like a freshman in that regard but no he looked he looked a little yellow as the uh the old folk used to say Looked a little yellow out there, um, and then uh, really to say I, I I don't want to pin it all on one guy. They did, they played well enough defensively to win the game. Uh, Penn State did, but you have to score some points, particularly on the road. We'll see if they give Michigan uh, a run for their money and uh, the advanced scouting there for the Wolverines if it pays off. All right, Oklahoma. Are we still buying Oklahoma? I don't know. I don't know because. <laughs> Uh, UCF won that game. gave them gave them a fit, and I got I kind of sort of talked to some folks that were at that game that are not always at Oklahoma games and coasting the SEC, and kind of thought, hey, these guys are going to the SEC, really? So I don't know. Uh, I'll also say this about UCF: if I'm buying futures, I'm probably buying that group, man. I mean, they're not quite ready to go win the Big 12 right now, Mike. But they, if they can recruit and, and stay in a Power 5, you know, they're, they're going they're in a Power 5 conference now. It's an attractive place to go to school. It, it, it you, you say it, it's kind of somewhat of an outpost, but dang, the Big 12 is going coast to coast now. So everybody's sort of an outpost. I think in that league, their future is, is bright. I mean, you know, I, we'll see what happens this year. I'm not thinking miracles will happen, but – Gus Malzahn proves he can still scheme them up, call, call a good game. Uh, boy, they were right there, heartbreaking loss, but they gave Oklahoma all they wanted. 
Oh, they sure did. Um, and look, Gus, you go back to his days at Auburn, pulled off more than a major, more than a couple major upsets. Double-digit dogs. Everybody think he, they don't belong in the same class as some of those saving teams. Boom, they win the game. Um, that's that is the magic of the Gus Bus. He 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 had some disappointments at Auburn, but man, he won some really big games. This is not going to be the bet. This is not the type of UCF team that you're going to see two or three years from now. They are going to recruit at a higher level, and they are going to be a better football team. Keep in mind, the quarterback for Oklahoma was a UCF guy. I mean, Dylan Gabriel could easily have been throwing touchdowns against Oklahoma instead of for Oklahoma in that game. And and maybe we're looking at a different outcome if that happens. But Oklahoma is – I'm still buying Oklahoma stock. Now, I think when they have the rematch against Texas – that's a little. I, I don't. I don't think that's. Well, Kim, I, I wouldn't yours, be surprised. Is Texas is favorite in that now. game? Quinn Ewers is out now, though. They don't know. Is when he he's definitely out back. for that game? So, so I don't know about that game. Sprained I mean, that's a ways a, off. Sprained AC joint, though. So yeah. I mean, my my question is: after what happened, God bless. Did you see Houston almost beat Texas this weekend? <laughs> yes. Uh, that was that was the class. That's the Longhorns. Like just like. That's that North Carolina, like Penn State, yeah. the same Texas, you know. Yep. Uh, and they got Kansas State on the road. I mean, they've got a tougher path than Oklahoma. Oklahoma's got a pretty favorable schedule. But Yes, uh, I think Oklahoma's so, so, toughest game might be at BYU, right? I, yeah, I just don't see who else in that league, just record-wise, will make it. Because everybody's sitting on about two or three losses right now besides those two. But, uh, uh, boy, oh, boy, that game at Houston was something else. Dana Holgerson – I watched him at the end, and you could tell it sort of took his soul away when they didn't score at the end. Uh, that guy, uh, you could tell they put a lot into it. So that's and that's uh, a personal – for those that don't know, um, and I've been out there a few times, and I always would ask the question, why are you guys not in the Big 12? And the answer from people that I worked with that are very familiar with it, like one Andre Ware, who we've had here on the show and a Heisman Trophy winner at Houston, Texas did everything in their power for years, for decades – to make sure Houston would not have admission into the same conference as Texas. Well, obviously, when Texas finally bolts for the SEC, Houston finally gets their their open door of opportunity, and they cash in on it. There's no reason for all these years Houston wasn't in that league. It, it's a crime that this couldn't have been a better rivalry. As you know, J.C., Houston is a huge market for high school football talent, uh, but they rarely go to Houston anymore because the other Texas schools – gobble them up and part of the reason is well you know the texas schools have been playing in the big 12 and the uh, southwest conference and et cetera et cetera is because houston's been stuck in you know the american or conference usa or what have you um but my point is that game was really really personal uh really really personal for the the houston cougar nation because at the end of the day, that is a group uh, of fans that feel like they have been locked out of the party for a, a long, long time. Absolutely, and yeah, you, you, they don't, they don't. It, that was a big, 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 big one. They've had circle probably since the schedule came out. I mean, and look, honestly, it's good to see Texas play Houston again uh, down there. Just, I mean, just like they did in the Southwest Conference when they used to go down to the. Uh, Astrodome and play aforementioned Andre Ware's teams. So uh, I don't know, man. I don't know. I just uh, uh, I thought that was a red flag. We'll see what they do at quarterback. Uh, it's a big, interesting 
discussion in the Longhorn Nation. Now, do you start Arch Manning? Uh, do you play Arch Manning? Do you play Murphy, the other guy who's a great athlete? I mean, it's uh, one of those things. So, uh, oh, well, we just got some got some news today. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. I, I just saw it on my phone. Uh, Brando just texted me. His wife is sick, so uh, we're going to have to do it another day with old Timmy B. That's okay. Hey, my, kid, my brother's uh, youngest is sick. He was supposed to go to a trick-or-treat thing today, and I, I, I arranged it for him because it's kind of a sold-out trick-or-treat deal, and lo and behold, they're on the way to the doctor. I think there's probably something going around. Of course, he's in South Carolina, and Timmy B's in Louisiana, but uh, it's kind of that time of year where it starts to get a little cooler and people get the sniffles. That's right. And, uh, and uh, let's hope that let's, let's wish her a uh, a very fine and speedy recovery. Yeah, that's okay. wife. Wife Terry is is uh, sick. In fact, she's going to the doctor. Uh, not to. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to violate any uh, hippo. hippo hippo laws here. Um, but uh, it is hippo, right? Not HIPAA. Hippo? Don't ask me what it stands HIPAA. for. It's, it's oh, it is HIPAA. Health, health Hippo's a big animal. HIPAA is a... Do you know this acronym? Go ahead. It's HIPAA. I don't know. I think it's health, uh, privacy. People. There's a privacy in there. <laughs> you know, I don't know. <laughs> I just... They, they talk about it because college coaches... Going back to you, Shepherd College. That's the college coaches go to... That's why we don't talk about injuries because there's HIPAA laws governing students and stuff. Um, although... Some of them will just be honest and tell you, you know, I don't know what the deal is. And there's no HIPAA repercussions there. So yeah, I yeah. Uh, I don't know. Well, okay, so Tim's Tim's already a lock for next week and uh, very all apologetic. Right. Um, all right, so it does, here, doesn't need to be for obvious reasons. So uh, Matt, best of luck to the misses, and we'll just continue rolling along here. Mad Dog sent me a private chat on the acronym Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act. So Wow. There's no uh, there's no privacy in there, so it's H I P A H I P A A HIPAA HIPAA HIPAA. Now HIPAA, I watched a documentary that about a hippo. You know those yeah. things are dangerous and will like you in, don't want to get near a hippo. There's yeah. about 24 deaths a year due to hippopotamuses. Yeah, yeah, That's and they're tough. probably a lot faster than you think. They're more quick than fast. They're like defensive tackles. Right. More quick than fast. Kind of like a Warren Sappish type of yes. uh, uh, pressure to the ball, or in this case, the, the human prey. Uh, mm. they'll, 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 they'll get in that three technique, turn you into a cadaver uh, inside Quickly. of five seconds. Yeah, uh, so look out for that. I was in uh, the mountains of Colorado over the, the summer, and you, you go up there, and um, you're like 12,000 feet above sea level, and you see all these moose, and you're like, oh, that's an adorable-looking thing there. And you remember old Bullwinkle? Boy, I mean, that'd be a great pet to just have Bullwinkle. You you wake up, and you go into the kitchen, and there he is, you know, with a pot of coffee and uh, crosses his legs and reading the morning paper and says, hey, guys, uh, I, there's some bacon there on the on the stove. But, uh, you know, you don't want to mess with, with moose either. And they are very aggressive, and they're fast. Like, they're faster than the hippo. So, not to turn this into uh, Animal Kingdom, but while we're on it, hippos and moose, this is a PSA from your friends Mike and JC. Don't get near them, don't feed them, don't pet them, and don't think you can outrun them because they, they're sneaky quick. Uh, they don't go by 40 time. They just they just know how to get it done. Um, all right, well, I don't even know what number we're on, but we don't have to go as fast yeah, as we did that, before. That was, we that can was, kinda that was the five. That, that was the five, going, okay. We are through the five. We, we are through the five. Record and, uh, speed there. 
All right. So I tell you what we'll do. We'll take a break. This is fun because it reminds me of all the years of doing live radio where things just some things fall through. Some things happen. Um, all you need now is like a program director racing in and saying that uh, something's happened and make sure you say this or don't say that. Or But we don't have to do that because we're our own program directors. So we'll take a quick timeout. We'll take a uh, drive around the SEC. It's more JC and Morgan here on a Monday. Back after this. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the south. Hey, folks, want to tell you about our friends at Titan Construction Group really quick. They're a mid-Atlantic-based general contractor, specializes in retail, restaurant, and office construction. TCG strives to separate itself from other general contractors by adding value every step of the process. From project budgeting to estimation, value engineering to construction, they focus on those relationships and not the transaction. Titan builds partnerships one project at a time. Among their clients are Starbucks, Crumble Cookie, uh, Blake Pizza, Home Goods, 15 plus years experience based in Midlothian, Virginia, and contracted in Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and South Carolina. So get on their website, TitanCGInc.com. That's TitanCGInc.com. Get in touch with Brad if you're in need of a general contractor that focuses on going above and beyond for their clients. That's Titan Construction Group, a proud sponsor of the JC and Morgan podcast. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured. They provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998. Or you can go to Elite Roofing. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. Hey, this is Mike Morgan, and like many of you, I love staying active. It makes me feel better. It helps me enjoy a better life. But whether you're a world-class athlete or someone just keeping the dream alive like me, you'll want to make sure you have someone who can handle the injuries that are going to arise. That's where the world now, Dr. Michael Hatrack of Synergy Sports Wellness and Synergy Release Sports come into play. He's been my guy for nearly a decade, and he has served thousands of people, including over 400 NFL players, over a career that spans 47 years. Yeah, he's that good. And his staff's personalized biomechanical treatments and therapies can handle it all. Back pain, knee pain, shoulder pain. We all know the injuries, but few know the solutions the way Dr. Hatrack and his terrifically trained staff do. I've seen others. No one delivers the results the way they do. That's why people from all over the country come to Synergy's two Georgia locations, Buckhead and Alpharetta. Dr. Hatrack has trained a team of chiropractors in his proprietary technique, 
that has been proven to yield life-changing outcomes from professional athletes to the Joe Schmoes of the world like, well, me. Check out the website to set up an appointment today, SynergyReleaseSports.com. That's Synergy with an S, ReleaseSports.com. You can also find a link for them on our website, JCAndMorgan.com. Let the incredible staff at Synergy take care of you so you can reach your wellness goals. All right, back with you here on J.C. and Morgan. Mike Morgan and J.C. Sherbert, Sherb Nation in Chicago. Uh, Myself, once again, back at the friendly confines of the Atlanta office where, uh, J.C., the Georgia Bulldogs, even in a melting pot of college football fans unlike any other, Georgia still does reign supreme here, and they've had plenty to um, be loud about. In fact, They are now – their last loss came in the SEC championship game in 2021. And they are – they've actually got a chance to break the all-time SEC consecutive wins record. That was set by Alabama. Yeah, Alabama, led by the Bear, uh, won 28 consecutive games. Uh, That streak started – after a 24-14 loss to Southern Cal on September 28, 1978, from that point on, they won 28 in a row. So here's Georgia, who, by the way, Georgia just extended their number one streak, AP number one streak, to 19 weeks in the AP Top 25. The record for that, uh, and that one started October 9, 2022, is behind Miami's streak of 21 consecutive weeks from 01 to 02. And if you were around following college football from that point, you remember just how good those Miami teams were. They were a controversial call away from winning another national title against Ohio State. Uh, But those Miami teams were loaded, some of the most talented teams in the history of college football. Southern Cal had a streak of 33 in a row from 2003 to 2005 so you get the picture Georgia's in some some rarefied air right now um and if they keep on winning and they're gonna have to do it without Brock Bowers which is obviously going to change the complexion of what they have to do but uh let's see they were at 22 when they beat Kentucky that was October 5th 12th, 19th. I think they're at 23 in a row or 24 in a row before they go into Florida. Yeah, uh, 20, uh, 22 was before Kentucky or? 22 was before Kentucky. So, so after Kentucky, it was 23. So they're at 24 now because they beat Vandy. 24. Last That's week. right. How can I, we forget that? Interesting thing about that schedule is for all the talk about it, uh, these next four in the league are a lot, are, I don't say a lot, but sig- very significant, I would say, significantly more difficult than their first uh, four SEC games. Uh, Gators in Jacksonville, you know, I think Georgia will win. I, I, I still don't know, you know, the win over South Carolina, the win over Tennessee aside. I still don't know how good Florida is. I do think Florida's better than what we thought. Um, I think they're a competent team. It's not, it's not last year's team that just, you know, uh, I think Billy Napier's done a good job coaching. I'll put it that way. Um, but we'll see. But then Missouri, I mean, Georgia's probably, the fortunate part here is they got Missouri and Ole Miss at home in Athens uh, because those games are in Columbia, Missouri, and Oxford. It may be a different story. 
Uh, and then there's the game in Knoxville uh, at the end of the year, which, uh, like I said, I think Tennessee is going to be a better team at home than on the road this year. I think we'll find that out as the season goes on. But uh, it's not it's not a cakewalk is what I'm trying to say. So, you know, they're going to, in theory, have to earn it, you know. And, and I, think that's, I think that's good for Georgia, Mike, because the whole narrative of the, of the whole offseason was, oh, the schedule sucks, the schedule sucks, the schedule sucks. Well, you know, nobody expected Missouri and Ole Miss to be this good. Florida's better than expected. Tennessee, better team at home. They're still they're they're not last year's Vols, but they're still a good football team. So it gets it gets a little challenging right here for the next four games. Certainly more challenging than South Carolina, Auburn, Kentucky, and Vandy. Sorry, I was here getting feedback noise there from a commercial on a site. I love when they do the pop up commercials, don't you? Um, yeah. That's, oh, that's way, good. So I couldn't hear that. So that's good because that yeah, no, I know you guys can't hear it. It was just coming I, through my headset. That's when I get on ESPN.com, it does that to me. Like they'll play the highlights on me. Like that's right. And I'm like, yep. I'm always worried it, that comes through, so it doesn't. It, good. Yeah, the, it does not come through. So you folks aren't subjected to it, but we are. Uh, again, the magic of uh, a live show. Florida, by the way, is a 14 and a half point favorite uh, in that game. Um, of course, it's it's normal 3:30 CBS time next year that'll be a 3:30 abc time i wonder who will be announcing that game uh i don't think it'll be brad nesshorn gary danielson who fans have kind of become used to now for a number of years uh, you mentioned you know the the job billy napier has done and and i'm with you overall but it is it's it's so funny like if they lose that game to south carolina 41 to 39 and and don't have the gamecocks squander a 10 point lead with five minutes to go then there's legitimate buyout talk about Billy Napier. Yeah, like that, that is how Peyton the margin is for coaches. Like it's it's that close. And by the way, if they lose to Georgia again and they lose to Florida State at home again, that talk might come back. Like you know, a win over South Carolina is not going to all of a sudden make the uh, the Gator Nation feel warm and fuzzy about everything that's going on. Uh, but as of right now, I, I think this game can at least be competitive. I think Florida has enough to make this a game. Yo, you know? but have you, you seen the schedule, though, after Georgia? For Florida? Yeah. Yeah, no, it's brutal. Ooh. It's brutal. We'll get to Arkansas. We'll get to my uh, man Sam, Sam Sixpack. At LSU, at Missouri, back-to-back, and then yep. Florida State. That's what I'm saying, and, and, and like <laughs> all that did was buy time for the the angst and the venom to come out because they're still five and two with a disappointing loss to Utah that they didn't show up and a complete uh, meltdown against Kentucky where everybody in the stadium knew that Ray Davis was running it and they never stopped it. So um, they had two weeks to kind of digest a nice road win comeback, but how quickly all that could change. Or they pull off the upset of upsets and they beat Georgia and it's Billy Napier for president. That's just, again, it's so thin. And I and I go now to Sam Pittman. And by the way, I went back against my better judgment and I watched Arkansas-Mississippi State because oh. I, had friends, I had friends of mine telling me, Mike, you got to watch this. It, it is so bad that it's good. It's like the Sickos Committee game of the week, right? If you follow Sickos Committee on Twitter, you know what I'm talking about. So 7-3 was the final score. If you didn't know any better, you thought, well, well there must have been a hurricane or something that, that went through Fayetteville, maybe a wet track, howling winds, you couldn't throw the ball. 
injuries all over the place. Uh, no, all it was was just or or you know elite defense with like monsters of the midway on both. No, no, it was just terrible offense. So terrible, in fact, that they went ahead and fired Dan Enos right after the game. Like, we got to fire Dan Enos. Dan Enos, who was there not long ago and helping Arkansas win a lot of games, uh, all of a sudden Dan Enos can't coach. And, you know, maybe the problem is a little bit more than Dan Enos. I think they're going to find that out in Fayetteville. This is just – when you start firing coordinators in the middle of the season – it's a harbinger of things to come on a bigger level. And I've been talking about this for a while, JC. Uh, I, I've been to Fayetteville a lot of times. I've got some people there that I trust. I know the culture of that fan base and the goodwill for Sam Pittman is one of the most likable guys in the profession, and I pull for Sam Pittman. We don't pull for uh, teams on JC and Morgan necessarily, but uh, but there's certain coaches that I, I must admit that I just like and I, I want to see them do well. Sam Pittman's a genuinely good human being who got a great opportunity and got off to a great start, all that goodwill is gone. And if they keep losing games, especially in that fashion, uh, and they've got some swing games left on that schedule, I wonder if the talk is maybe Jimbo survives more on him in a moment, uh, but I don't know so much if Sam Pittman survives. It's going to be treacherous there uh, pretty soon down the road in Fayetteville. Dude, I, I don't think I would have been – I mean, I bought it because I know you're connected. Uh, I mean, I knew that it was factual that Arkansas fans were not happy and the goodwill was gone. I didn't necessarily buy that, you know, he's going to get fired. I think that was kind of my opinion more than anything, that it's just not fair to fire him. They've lost a bunch of close games, et cetera. But, yo, you can't lose to Mississippi State at home and score three points doing it. I mean – uh, and Eno's getting fired. I mean, dude, Dan Eno's, um, you know, he was at Maryland last year, right? Yep. Yeah. And, and and they had a really good offense and stuff. And, you know, I heard from a source, I don't know how true it is, but I heard from a source that Eno's went and visited with the Eagles when they drafted Jalen Hurts and, and, and kind of did some consulting with them on the RPO game. And they kind of give him credit for, helping them evolve their offense and the Eagles were in the Super Bowl last year. So that's how that's how good that guy is. He's kind of a journeyman because you know he struggled at Miami or whatever. And remember he left and he was at Alabama about to become the OC and just left in like a thief in the night. You remember that famous thing where we're saving sitting at the meeting and he's like, where in the hell is Dan? <laughs> well, well Dan's in Miami coach. <laughs> he left. <laughs> Where's Dan? Uh, so he's kind of an interesting guy, but man, I, he's way more competent than three points against Mississippi State. I'll credit Zach Arnett though, because their game plan on defense was fantastic. Like they snuffed everything out. Their D line penetrated. They covered everything down the field. I'll say this too about Arkansas: KJ Jefferson is not the right quarterback for this system. He he is the. He was a great quarterback in Kendall Browse system. A lot of quarterback runs. It's kind of the Browse tempo, that kind of thing. This is much more of a pro-style RPO-type system, similar to what Alabama ran under Bill O'Brien and, and guys like that. And that's just not KJ's game. And you throw them the fact Rocket Sanders has been out. Uh, I, I get it, but I don't get three points at home against Mississippi State. We've seen their defense not perform that well all year. Uh, and to go into Fayetteville and do that. And, dude, it wasn't. It was a bright, sunshiny day 
in Fayetteville. There was Her no weather, weather. no mm-hmm. wind, nothing. I nothing. mean, it in the hogs. So I, I and, it, and this shows you like the margin for error. You mentioned Napier earlier with the South Carolina win. Well, this loss now I think makes the. I mean, th- th- this was a an inflection point. You cannot do this. You you have to. You have to keep it rolling, you know, or, or you, I mean, you have to, I'm sorry, you have to take advantage of your opportunities, get up off the mat, you know, playing it close, losing it close to all these good teams. Well, well then what good does that do you when you go home against the, your fellow bottom dweller in the, in the SEC? I guess now that distinction belongs to Auburn, who is 0-4 in the league, uh, and you lose, uh, you know, at home, 7-3. Seven to, seven to three. Arkansas has been playing games in the 30s. You know, they they, they they only – and here's here's another crazy stat. Two of their lower-scoring games this year have come against Mississippi State and Kent. <laughs> they only had 28 against Kent State, you know. Uh, that's weird. That's inconsistency. Uh, you know, as far as Eno's being fired, I mean, I get that. Sometimes if you just – that one bad, atrocious, catastrophic game, uh, if you're the head coach, you're trying to survive, you got to do something. Uh, and so I guess that's what happened there. But uh, certainly the pit boss is on the clock. And, I, you know, I, if they go to make a move, I, 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 I'm I not sure they're going to get a big name in there. But uh, I think they'll get a good coach. And we'll we'll talk about that if it happens. I, I counted it, by the way, 10, 10 new offensive coordinators this year in the SEC. Uh, so there might be a little scapegoating going on mm-hmm. by the end of the year. It's a it's a very common now. Some of those new all OCs replaced guys who left for bigger and better opportunities, right? Guys that went on to become head coaches. In the case of um, uh, of Georgia, you know, you lose Todd Monk into the NFL and the Ravens, but a lot of them just got fired, and then they brought in new OCs to replace the fired OCs. And in some cases, it's helped. And in some cases, not so much. I think I counted 14 overall uh, new coordinators in the Southeastern Conference this year. And and by the way, and I hate these conversations, but I know fans are obsessed with buyouts. Okay, and I'm gonna, JC, you you don't know this yet, but on on your show tomorrow, the ITG show, part of the uh, Chief Sports Network, I've got a whole can of numbers and facts on buyouts. Um, and if you're an SEC fan and you're overly obsessed with buyout talk and, you know, how somehow maybe that's going to come out of your your 401k or something, um, th- th- this is a new day and age in buyouts, okay? P- Sam Pittman, who was not exactly a household name when they hired him, right? I mean, that was like the – many people thought that was kind of a backup to backup to backup hire. His buyout is $16.5 million at Arkansas. Okay, sixteen point. There, there's fans out there complaining about like ten million, twelve million. You know, we everybody knows Jimbo's buyout is just insane. If depending on which report you read, it's somewhere in the neighborhood of seventy-seven million dollars, give or take a million. Um, you know, when when the talk was going on about Florida firing Billy Napier, which is insane to even discuss after two years, uh, his buyout would be thirty-two million dollars. Just so you know, uh, this is the new climate. If if you are overly concerned about how much a buyout is, you you, you might as well go to the Mountain West. Like that's you, that's that. It, it, these are negotiated during the time of signing and then re-upping. And if you don't put that in the contract, you're not keep, you're not getting 
coaches and you're not keeping coaches. That's just where we are. Texas A&M didn't put that in the contract knowing full well they can afford to let it go if they need to. Same thing with Florida. Same thing with Arkansas. You get the idea. Uh, if, if you don't like buyouts, I understand it. A lot of people just don't like coaches making a lot of money in general. I, I, I get that too. For those of us that you know work really hard and are never going to make that kind of money, I, I understand. I feel your plight. But that is the market. The market is what the market is. It's like those that get upset about you know, a, a, a second man off the bench in the NBA making $32 million a year. It is what it is. The money is there. You know, a pitcher that has an ERA of 475 making $12 million a year. It is what it is. It's not my money. I'm not going to get overly worked up about it. Uh, speaking of the Aggies, the Aggies have South Carolina at noon on ESPN. Texas A&M a 14-point favorite in this game. <sighs> Uh, JC, I don't know. I mean, the, the Gamecocks clearly just, they've never really fully resolved their offensive line issues. Those continue to be plaguing them. Now, uh, Xavier Leggett goes down with an injury. Juice Wells has basically played almost no football this year, and they don't have a very good defense. So I'm not sure what to expect. And I don't think this is a very good matchup for the Gamecocks because A&M can be filthy on D. They're really big. They're really physical. Um then the game will be at Kyle Field. So there you go. Have at it. Yeah, and I'll say it. Sometimes A&M doesn't show up. Uh, we've yeah, we saw that against UMass last year, man. They played a game against UMass toward the end. and That was that famous picture where there was nobody at Kyle Field by the time the game ended. They won like 24 to 14. Um, I think that game against Florida last year they lost at home was a noon kickoff or 11 a.m. Central time. Uh so if Carolina's at full, was at full strength, you'd say, you know, maybe they'd catch them, catch them sleeping. But, I mean, look, the, the offensive line hasn't been resolved because every time they get it resolved, somebody gets hurt. Right. You know, they had a, they had they they found an answer finally. And this is the second time this happened. They found an answer during preseason with Case and Henry, uh, who was going to be their starting right tackle. Um or left tackle, one of those spots. You know, he's a he's an older guy who had some knee injuries. Uh, actually, he's not an older guy, second year guy, but they love him. And he he came back from injury mid camp, comes out there, starts first play against North Carolina, he gets hurt again. He may be back at some point this year. Who knows? Well, well, you know, and that that then Jalen, you know, Jalen Nichols, their original starting left tackle, went down in spring practice with an ACL or spring game with an ACL. Um, and so then you go, oh, you, you plug it in these freshmen. They're not that good, especially on the road. They're good at home. Well, finally against Florida, they said, all right, we're going to move our center, who's played good ball, out to right tackle and then move uh, Nick Gargiulo, the transfer from Yale, who is a center by trade to center, and then insert Trey Jones, an older guy. Okay, so and this is more stuff to get into on IDG, IDG I yeah. know, but I'm, I'm just the reality of it. Well, well now Vershawn Lee, he goes out against – Florida. Well, now your two true freshmen you were starting, Ball and Babalade, are questionable for this weekend. So you're literally South Carolina's literally going to be starting walk-ons or playing walk-ons on the offensive line. That's not an ideal situation for anybody, especially playing against that bunch of monsters they got on the D line in, in College Station. So uh, I, I like I think South Carolina bottom line, and like I said, talk about it later. But uh, it's the it's a November to remember the march to the Gasparilla, man. You got to look at you got to look at those four teams left, and 
schedule does get a lot lighter uh, and uh, hope some guys come back from injury and, you know, get that, get that four wins, get a, try to get a second straight win over Clemson and uh, get back to a bowl somehow. I, I just, I, I, I don't, I don't think Carolina is going to be able to go out there with the group they got and compete Saturday. Yeah. Uh, and just to drift away a little bit from the SEC, uh, th- this has been a rough year for the Palmetto State in general because we haven't even mentioned what Clemson uh, losing another close game uh, against Miami. Yes, it's a road game, but again, it's a half-empty stadium that you're going up against. That's just, and then the final play called it from from Clemson. We know Dabo doesn't call plays, but for, he later said that uh, Klubnik was supposed to keep it right. It's a zone read. But he he was supposed to uh, or keep it or handed it to, to Shipley, and instead, Kublik decides <laughs> Kublik decides to, to to run it wide, and the play has no. I mean, it's just a bad look. It's one thing to lose the game, to, to lose the game in that fat. There's a there's going to be a whole lot of talk the rest of this season about has Clemson just they had their day in the sun, and they got their two national titles, and they had that reign of where they're in the playoff almost every year. And now it's coming crashing down to earth at the same time of the ascension of Florida State, of Miami, even though it's a disappointing loss, of North Carolina, um, of Louisville. Like, you could make the case that Clemson's not going to be irrelevant. They're, not, they're, they're still recruiting well. And uh, there's, there's uh, any talk about Dabo getting fired is just silly talk. But you, you could make a, a very strong case that they are not going to be at that level that they enjoyed for a while um which is interesting because we talk so much about how it's the same programs and once you get to that level it's you, you almost you just assume that you're going to be there for life if you're a fan of that program it's not the case um so many of so many elite programs have taken major dips and some never recover look clemson was certainly sustainable i mean i think until the game changed the college football changed and there's two things that it changed with NIL and the transfer portal. Um, Clemson was certainly sustainable in the ACC for as long as they wanted to keep winning 10 games. But when it changed, the game changes and you don't change with it. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, Dabo's, Dabo's very defensive about it. Right. Uh, but their fans have a good point. Hey, you are one of the top five teams in the country. Do you not think kids want to transfer here and play for you? I mean, look, uh, I heard through the grapevine, they could have gotten Keon Coleman at Florida State. Happy with what we got. I mean, you start leaving, you start, you start leaving that kind of uh, cut of meat on the buffet, you know, eventually they're just going to start serving you Salisbury steak and make you be happy with it. But here's I what mean, I don't understand, JC. They have taken transfers, right? It's not like they have a no transfer policy. The, the guys so like, they've taken are like, no, yeah, but they don't. They they they've, they went after one kid that was an offensive lineman from was at Virginia that they liked, and and they were going to take him on the O line, and he ended up going to Michigan, you know. So they got beat on him. But the other guys they've taken, they took Hunter Johnson back from Northwestern to be an emergency quarterback, and they took Paul Tyson, Bear Bryant's great grandson. Uh, from Alabama to be an emergency quarterback, <laughs> and that's mm-hmm. it. That's it. It's just. Well, I mean, my my point is, either you're going to have a well, we just don't do that here. We're not portal players policy, or you take as many as you think can help your football team. What's the point of having some 
nonsensical stance if you don't st- go all in on it. Like, you can't be a little bit pregnant. Either you're going to play the portal game a little bit. If you're going to play it a little bit, you might as well play it a lot. You might as well take the guys if it, if it takes 10. I, you know, I understand the, his argument about culture and about he just doesn't want to give in to. And believe you me, I talked to a lot of coaches. He ain't alone in thinking this. Coaches are going against what they truly believe because it's the only way they can compete, right? So they don't like the portal. They don't like the way NIL is being run. They they go – I mean, I, I told you about the half-hour conversation we had with Nick Saban last year before doing a, a game in Tuscaloosa. I mean, we talked some about Bryce Young, and we talked some about this player and that player. The rest of the time, it was a diatribe on the state of college football, and I didn't even ask him the question. He just <laughs> brought it up. He, he came into that meeting knowing – this is what I'm going to tell these TV boys, and uh, Nick's a very bright guy, and like a lot of coaches, kind of calculated. You figure if you mention that to the announcers, that they will go ahead and disperse that message on national television. And it's not a bad theory. Very often that works out. The difference is they're all still playing the game. They're taking their heavy players in the portal. Dabo is it. it he feels maybe the same way, but he's all, he's like, not only do I feel that way, not only am I going to say it, but my actions are going to back it up, and I'm just not going to take hardly anything in the portal. Uh, they got plenty of NIL money at Clemson, right? I mean, they're paying players, but but they're not they're not doing the portal thing. And I just at this point, man, oh man, how long can you live on that hill? How long can you continue to do it? The bottom line here too is Clemson was not Alabama or Georgia roster wise. Uh, they, they, they were built differently than those teams. They were able to beat those teams. Don't get me wrong. Cause their starters and starting quarterback and everybody else was good, but they've never really had like the depth. Uh, Clemson also has not struggled with injuries. Okay. So in these classes that are playing now at Clemson, you, you have some guys that really just did not live up to the hype. And that happens. It happens at Georgia and Alabama, too. It happens all over the place. But when that happens at Clemson and you, you don't have this deep roster to begin with, and then you don't fill those holes with the portal like most teams do, it puts you at a disadvantage. I mean, man, I mean, come on, look around look around the uh, the ACC. I mean, I know we're banging on North Carolina today, but Tez Walker had 13 catches for 173 yards against Virginia. I mean, that guy, pretty good player, right? I mean, and and it's it's almost like if I were a Clemson person, and and yeah, I'm not, but uh, if I were, I would be like screaming, you have wasted an opportunity because, okay, you're going to decide to do it all of a sudden. Well, now you're recruiting man-to-man in the portal against other schools. And what they're going to do is point to you and go, look at what Dabo said about NIL. He doesn't think you should make any money. And look what Dabo said previously about the portal. He didn't need it. He didn't need you. He's just doing this now because he's desperate. And that's a, that is a powerful statement to make when you're recruiting head-to-head with a program. It's like, they don't really want you because everybody just want, everybody's got an ego. They want to be wanted. Uh, I, 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 it's tough. And one thing Dabo said on his call on show earlier this year, and I'll shut up about it. He said, this is the way we have built Clemson. It works. This is what we're going to do. He's like, now, if I go someplace else, maybe I'll change my mind. That, that's sneaky, dude. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Think about that. 
Well, Dabby doesn't. Uh, D- Dabby. Who the hell is Dabby? Dabo, Gabby. I want you to meet Dabby. Uh, Dabo, Dabo is not afraid to kind of take out the receipts and go to the Clemson fan base. Here's what you were before I took over. Mm-hmm. Okay. Here's what you've been since I took over. I got a lot of collateral to deal with. How dare you? How dare you go ahead? And this is, again, this is how a lot of coaches feel. They, they're just not as open about it in public. Um, how dare you actually question what I'm doing here? How dare you actually have even like the two percenters say, maybe it's time to make a coaching change? How dare you even go anywhere in the, in the area of criticism when I have brought you to unmatched heights and quite honestly, he's got a point. <laughs> like he, he, I, I, if you think if you're a Clemson fan, you think you're going to be better by uh, by a new coach. That's you know a big factor in the portal. Well, Clemson wasn't exactly a destination for elite recruits before Dabo got there. He his message that he sold. Uh, he was a very good recruiter to begin with. Uh, he's a devout Christian. They, they certainly, that is a factor in some of the recruits that they have gotten over the years. It also is why a lot of people take kind of some cheap shots because there is a, a portion of fans out there and certainly media that uh, don't like hearing anything about that. Uh, they despise it and, and they, they, it rubs them the wrong way. Uh, but, but that formula, as you mentioned, JC, and I've had a number of coaches say this, Mike, it used to be I'd get in with mom. And if I got in with mom, then damn it, I could get that recruit because I've got uh, if I've got the same facilities or on par with the competition, and we've got the same this, the same that, and the other. If I get in with Mama, I'm gonna land them. That was Bobby Bowden's thing. I mean, he, he, nobody was better with moms and grandmoms than Bobby Bowden, and that's why he closed on so many elite recruits. Well, now those same coaches tell me if I get in with Mom, and I talk about the benefits of an education here, and I talk about how many players have moved on to the NFL here, and they say, yeah, but the other school's offering another 150 grand. What do you got? That is, that is literally what recruiting has turned into in many, many cases. Many, many cases. All right, that was a, that was a major deep dive on a tangent, but that's what we do some. Uh, let's continue to go through the slate here. Mention Georgia, Florida, Mississippi State, as Auburn. Auburn's going to win a game. I mean, they're they're zero and four in the SEC. Maybe this is the one where they pop. They're a seven point favorite. That's three thirty on the SEC network. Vandy is at Ole Miss. Ole Miss is six and one. I could make the argument Lane Kiffin might he might have done his best coaching job this year. Mm-hmm. Six yeah. and one, three and one in the SEC. Uh, at 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 times, Judkins was not looking like him real self. Um, most people couldn't name you two players on their defense, but here they are, JC. They keep winning. They do, and and you know, I, I had a gut feeling, and you know, look, my gut isn't what it used to be. <laughs> Smaller <laughs> and more accurate, right? <laughs> the larger it's gotten, the more inaccurate it's been. But I kind of felt like, you know, Ole Miss. How, you know, it's, there's a lot of lot of optimism, that kind of thing. But there, there may be due for a year. Even Hugh Freeze had uh, a year where he he dipped. You know, I mean, and that's just life in the SEC West. Well, they haven't dipped at all. And you know what? They found a way to win a lot of games because of good coaching. And, and I think Link Kiffin, we're seeing. You know, I I, I think like like people say, it's the closest thing to Steve Spurrier that uh, we've seen. You know, because you'll ask people that work for him or that 
have worked for him at Ole Miss or been a part of that program. And some of the guys that are used to the rigid sort of Saban style behind the scenes aren't quite used to Lane style because it's different. It's a lot different. <laughs> it's more more like loosey goosey, like like Coach Spurrier used to be. Um, so he's more like a lot more like Spurrier too, but you know, overall. Then maybe uh, maybe people give him credit for. It. He's grown up. Let's just and say he has, yeah, and he has grown up, and he 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 he's you know he knows how to win, yeah, uh, and he, he wanted his previous two stops. He just didn't win enough. Now at Ole Miss, I mean, you you win eight to ten a year. I mean, you're you're basically, you know, in really good shape. Ole Miss doesn't like it when you when you dip, uh, you know, because like uh, David Cutcliffe, five six great bowls. He dips in year seven out. Uh, Houston Nutt, uh, they actually gave him a fourth year when I don't think they wanted to. He he wins two straight Cotton Bowls, then goes three and nine and two and ten. So things got a lot worse, you know. Even Hugh, his last year was five and seven when they had to fire him because of the, you know, the, the uh, escort service tweet or what I text or whatever. Um, so look, I I, yeah, I think as long as you don't dip it, Ole Miss, you, they're going to build a statue of you outside the stadium one day. I mean, that's why he's and, not leaving. Yeah, that, that's and look, why all that I, talk about leaving for Miami well, and all well, that silliness yo, was never a factor. Yeah, now I do think I do think had Ole Miss not come up with the NIL money he requested, he would have gone to Auburn. Uh, I, I do. I, I think there was legit interest there. Um, I'll say this too: what benefits Ole Miss is this new schedule format. We're basically yeah. okay. It's going to be Mike and Saban kind of spilled the beans the other day. It looks like they're staying at eight. Yep. Yeah, I mean, he, he kind of let it, let it, let it, oh, the, the goat just let it fly because he doesn't care. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot yeah. of TV behind that decision. There, I, I yes. can't get into, there's a lot of things going on behind the scenes sure. that kept this at eight for the time being. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. And so, so Ole Miss, you know, every year now, I mean, right now they're, they're going against Auburn, LSU, Bama, A&M, teams with re- a lot more resources than they've got, right? Let's just be honest. But it's not like Ole Miss is lacking resources. So it's going to be a new seven every year. Or, or yeah, a new, they're going to play Mississippi State, they play the Egg Bowl every year, and then they'll have a new seven. Mm-hmm. You don't know how that's going to turn out. It is a, it's kind of wild, man. I kind of like it for the SEC. Oh. and. I mean, the SEC is kind of a mini NFL anyway. Well, now you, it's luck of the draw. So, so I think the, everybody in the West can't wait for that. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, and so instead of beating your head against the wall with teams that consistently own you, you may have a year where, hey, you don't have to play them. Mm-hmm. And, and you could break through and get to Atlanta for the first time if you're old Miss. So I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, you know, about, uh, about that program, their future. Uh, all that good stuff. I think. I think. I think Lane's going to end up being much better than, than than all of us even once imagined. And not saying they'll win championships, but an expanded playoff coming up. Yeah, they keep hovering around nine, ten wins. They'll get there. Yeah, uh, Lane. Lane can write his own ticket. Um, Ole Miss fans. Ole Miss and Mississippi State are some of the most realistic college football fans in the country, and they certainly lead the way in the SEC in that category. Like they know who they are, and they know who they are not. And that's a lesson for a lot of fan bases who just continually think they should be three games a year better than what they actually are and what they have been for 100 years. Uh, they understand that. And Ole Miss did have a heyday. Like Ole Miss, you go back to uh, the, the the 1960s, and of course college football was a lot different back then for a number of different reasons. But 
for the most part, Ole Miss fans know, like, hey, you win eight, nine games around here in the SEC, you, you are golden. And if you have a, a bad year every now and then, you know, like a six and six, we're not going to fire you. We're not going to put you on the hot seat. Uh, you know, I, I, he's got enough equity already. Like, oh, he, he's going to be just just fine. I think it's it is a great fit. Lane and Ole Miss is just a it's just a natural natural fit. Um, final one: Tennessee is at Kentucky. Oh, Kentucky! I don't know what to make of Kentucky. These are a pair of five and two overall, two and two in the SEC teams. You know, if if Kentucky wins this, then Tennessee. Is I mean I don't think I don't think there's any doubt that their their fans will label it a disappointment. Like they had a taste of the good life, and then at the end of last year, it didn't work out the way they wanted it to. Obviously, highlighted by the loss in Columbia. Um, but then you got people telling you that Joe Milton's the best thing since sliced bread. If they go out there and they lose or they lay an egg in Lexington to a Kentucky team that quite frankly does not look great, um, then that's going to be that's going to be a tough pill to swallow, I think, for a lot of Vol fans because it's kind of like, oh, we thought we were really, and I know they got a quarterback in the waiting that's you know making ridiculous nil money, and they think is the their their version of what Tua is. I, I don't know, I haven't seen, I haven't broken down his tape, but I know he's supposed to be the the, the best thing ever. Um, they they need to they need to pick up a win on the road. It reminds me of Quinn Ewers actually of a, of a player comparison, really live mm-hmm. arm, quick release. Really perfect for that system, too. He's mobile. Um, at Kentucky, that I, so I said earlier, I think Tennessee, we're going to find out, it's a better home team than road team, unless they're playing Kentucky. Yeah. <laughs> because, look, man, you want to talk about a team with a mental edge over another team, it's Tennessee against Kentucky. Derek mm-hmm. Dooley beat Kentucky. Champions of life own Kentucky. Uh, Mark Stoos <laughs> has been terrible, just awful against Tennessee. Uh the one weird pandemic year where they went down to Knoxville and won 34 to seven, notwithstanding. I mean, so Stoops has lost one, two, three, four, and then one, one against uh champions of, Oh no, that was against an interim coach. Uh, so one and four, one and five, one and six, two and six, he's two and eight against the Vols. And last year, Kentucky goes into Knoxville and it wasn't even competitive. I mean, it, it was, it was yeah. that tough. Um, you know, and I'm with you. I don't really know what to make of them. I I thought it was very – it wasn't Stoops-like uh, to get off to that good start against Missouri and then blow it. That's a bad sign if I'm a Kentucky fan. But, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I You know, it's going to take them running the ball over Tennessee. Tennessee's got a good defense. I mean, hell, they wore out against Alabama. I mean, that's, that's not that's, – that's not, you know, that's not hard to do. So, I, I – uh, I question their offensive line still. I don't know that their back pass protection wise, and Devin Leary is going to throw it to you a couple of times. So, uh, and that and that's that's to me fundamentally Kentucky's problem right now is Devin Leary is the he's not the quarterback that threw for thirty five hundred yards in a year at NC not State. At he's the guy that I saw play Clemson last year and looked tentative and scared out of his mind and 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 just fumbled and, and blah blah blah. You know, he's the, he's still that guy. He's he's got. He's got to have a mental breakthrough, I think, for Kentucky to have the season they want. In fairness to him, too, the offensive line is better than a year ago. It's not great. It's not the big blue wall that we saw for a number of years under Coach Stoops that led the way. Uh, obviously, they're opening up holes for Ray Davis, who's a special talent, but 
Uh, pass blocking has been an issue, and they are number one in the country in dropped passes, like, like a percentage rate. I don't know how they actually do the what the calculus on that is. But if you watch them play, they're good for a couple of drops a game. And they're not good enough to overcome that. Like if he hits you, if he hits Dane Key open for a big play, a chunk play, and he drops it, they're just not good enough to overcome those kind of misses. That, by the way, is an underrated rivalry. I mean, every Vanderbilt-Tennessee is not a rivalry. Uh, Louisville-Kentucky is. But you know this goes back to basketball when Tennessee's building – uh, an arena in Thompson Bowling that's uh, 500 more seats than Rupp Arena to say they have the biggest arena, and then Rupp, you know that there's there's a <laughs> there's a lot of like natural hatred between those two fan bases. Oh, yeah. Kentucky and Tennessee is a really good rivalry that doesn't get the same love as some of the other ones within the conference. All you got to do is go down that stretch of interstate. You and I both have been down many times between Lexington and Knoxville, 75. Yep. That's right. Uh, it, 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 the blue bleeds into orange and vice versa. And, you know, you, you kind of stop at a restaurant or something, hear people talk. That's a, you can see why that is. The proximity, the culture of the two schools. I mean, it's a, it is a rivalry, although I'll, Tennessee owns them. <laughs> I'll just say one other thing on the SEC looking ahead a week, which is LSU, Alabama. If we had a 12-team playoff, nobody would want to play LSU. They can they can get you in a shootout and beat anybody. And, and all of a sudden, they're, I know it's Army, but the last couple of weeks, like their defense has figured out stuff. It, it seems like like they're still engaged, which I would have been worried about because I've seen uh, the opposite come true very recently in Baton Rouge. Um, LSU is still a team like they will give you problems. They are a problem to try to defend them. I don't care – I don't care what they are and what they've how disappointing they've been. Um, that'll be something to look forward to later on this season. Our uh, drive around the SEC presented by Elite Roofing and Restoration. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Right now, I can tell you this is what happens. Like you, you have a problem with your roof, hail damage, or it's just old or whatever. Uh, your insurance company. I had this happen where I had hail damage. Your insurance company will fight tooth and nail to not pay out because that's just what they do very often. If you don't have a good one. Uh, Jeremy Johnson, the company, took care of that. They fought it on appeal and won. Uh, they always do a great job. I've had two different roofs put on uh, over my time because uh, in, in two different states that I've lived in, Elite Roofing covers you in Georgia, the Carolinas, parts of Tennessee, Florida. Uh, go ahead and give them an email, or if you can check out the website, you've got a number of versions of that, Elite Roofing GA, EliteRoofingSC.com, et cetera. Or just email them, Elite Roofing and Restoration at Gmail. Tell them you heard about it on JC and Morgan. Get yourself a free inspection. And uh, again, you will not do business with better people in that space. And you do not want to wait too long before you get a new roof. We'll take a quick time up, wrap things up, look ahead to a week nine in college football right after this on JC and Morgan. Mike here for Elite Roofing and Restoration. Chances are you're a homeowner. You're going to have to have that roof replaced at some point. Could be because of wind or hail damage. Could be because it's just that time the roof is old and you don't want to take any more chances. Go ahead and call Elite Roofing and Restoration. They will take terrific care of you as they have for me over the years. They provide exceptional roofing services. They offer a highly knowledgeable staff on insurance claims for roof repairs and replacements as well as an extensive catalog of materials 
materials and colors to ensure your roof looks as good as it performs. So how do you do it? Well, you just start off, you can go to the website, EliteRoofingGA.com. That's EliteRoofingGA.com. Go ahead and fill out the form, get connected with the fine folks at Elite Roofing and Restoration, and they will take care of the rest for you. Elite Roofing and Restoration. Don't settle for second best. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down in Ohio, down the Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. Yeah, a lot of fans are going to need some uh, Chicken Cock bourbon here. A lot of angst in the air, JC, to use one of your favorite words. Angst is... Angst is so appropriate at college football. It's just because for most fan bases, it's not going to go the way you hoped or, or planned on. It just isn't. So angst. Fire this guy. Fire that guy. This guy sucks. The world's falling down, and I don't want to be a part of it anymore. It's the emotional roller coaster that we love about college football. Uh, there are two top 25 matchups and two only, JC, this week. Oregon, Utah. That's juicy. That is, that is juicy. juicy. You know what? And that is uh, played in the stadium you see over my shoulder, Rice-Eccles Stadium in Utah. There'll be about 55,000 strong screaming in the valley surrounded by beautiful mountains. Do you know the other top 25 matchup? I'll give you a clue. It hails from the ACC. I don't think I've ever said these words before. Top 25 matchup between these two schools. Duke and Louisville. Duke and Louisville, baby. Top yeah. 25. When Duke and Louisville lock horns, you can throw away the record books. By the way, Duke played really well, I thought, at Florida State last they week. They did, uh, without you know, Riley I mean, Leonard. Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that's a good football team, man. And, uh, yeah, if we were talking about a Final Four or the National Basketball Coaches Association preseason classic in Indianapolis, and we said Duke and Louisville, uh, we'd probably be like, oh, yeah, that's going to be a great one. But not at, very few times has it been that way on the gridiron. So uh, that's an important game for the standings, too. Important game. Duke could, Duke could work their way into making the championship game and that's uh, incredible. With, with the losses and stuff, yes. That's that's the that's the sound of Mike Elko's bank account. Cha-ching, cha-ching, cha-ching. Yeah. They, oh, still, Mike got, Elko's they still play North Carolina. They still that's got right. UNC. I mean, so. That's right. That would be one heck of, if they pull that off, look out. Um, just a couple of uh, tidbits for you before we sign off. Arkansas, by the way, with that 7-3 Thrilla. 5-16 and 16 in one possession games under Sam Pittman. 5-16. and 16. Uh, Washington beat Arizona State barely without an offensive touchdown. This was an ugly game that very few people on the non-West Coast saw. You just assume Washington would wipe the floor with a bad Arizona State team. They did not, and they did not have an offensive touchdown. So guess what? Michael Penix is no longer your Vegas leader for the Heisman. You want to know who is? Oh, J.J. McCarthy from Michigan. J.J. McCarthy, plus 200. Chicago kid. 
There you go. It's McCarthy's plus 200. Penix is now plus 260. Uh, <laughs> how many yards did Iowa have in the second half against Minnesota? Uh, if you answered 12, you're correct. 12. Look, I'm sorry, man. If I were an Iowa fan, I would be like, I, I would be, a, I know Kirk Ferentz that deserves what, you know. I mean, he's he is that program in the modern era. I mean, since Hayden Fry, but and he's done a great job. But dude, get your son out of there, man. I mean, you can't get any better than that. I mean, you, you, you know, you, he he hasn't hit his 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 goal. You know, like you have to average this many points. He had to hit, hit it. So uh, something just didn't right on offense up there. And I don't know. They need to get away from the style that they like to play, which is physical and run the ball play action, that kind of thing. But but you need maybe a different twist on it uh, in Iowa City because that's that that's what happens. When you can't score, all of a sudden, you have a bad second half and you're losing to Minnesota on the road. Now, there was a bad call, but you, you still lost. So yeah. and, and you shouldn't have been in that position where you needed that return. That's the bigger point. When you get 12 yards in the second half against the vaunted <laughs> Minnesota defense, come on, you don't deserve to win. Um that's the first time they lost to the Golden Gophers at home uh, since 1999. And for Iowa to reach that 325-point goal to keep um, Coach Nepotism, they'll need to average 33.8 points per game, including a bowl appearance, to get that. In other words, they're not getting there. In other words, you're going to have to fire your son, and it's going to be a, uh, an unfortunate situation for the Iowa Hawkeyes, who had an inside track to make it. And they still might in this crazy divisional thing that they have one more year of in the Big Ten. They might make it to the Big Ten championship game, but man, oh, man. Uh, and one other note, I thought this was – we all have uh, had a little fun with the ACC-CW game of the week, right? You know, Dawson's Creek and Party of Five. I didn't see this live, but it, it was reported that after Virginia upset UNC, this is like the biggest win for Virginia and Coach Elliott. <laughs> they go to the post-game interview with Coach Elliott, and they they interrupted it mid-answer for more CW programming. Now, I don't know what show had all the teenage girls just waiting well, on Saturday. pins and needles to see, but by golly, they said, no, we cannot finish this interview Go to Dawson's Creek. <laughs> I don't want to wait till this interview is over. It's over. Yeah, We've got like to that. get to Katie Holmes right now. To Katie Holmes. Was she not? She was on that show, right? I think so. That was yeah, prime Katie. Was that was before uh, Tom Cruise was jumping on Oprah's couch and declaring I, his love for I, Katie. I'm trying to see like what the Saturday lineup is. Okay. <laughs> It's not well. I, I, so last week, it was just a special movie uh, at at eight seven central. Uh, the forty year old virgin. Now that is a good flick. I mean, I mean, not not last week. This week, that's what's going on. Tony Elliott uh, versus Steve Carell. Uh, I'll take Steve, Steve Carell on that one. But dude, I mean. <laughs> I'm just it's, like, oh. It's just, I mean, it's so like, it's it's, so, it's so, everything we thought it would be. So you're showing a movie? I mean, it's even on like the NFL, like they, they, they constantly like tonight on 60 minutes, you know? Yeah. They, they'll, they'll hold 60 minutes for, you know, you don't hear the clock. By the way, that clock on 60 minutes, 
it gives me anxiety Yeah. because when I was a kid, that was the sound I heard when I knew I had to get up and go to school the next day. That's Sunday. right. That's right. Sunday night. Yeah, you and your parents would watch. This was back when 60 Minutes yeah, was a credible news show. It was very good. Now it's yeah, a clown it, show. But back then, it was credible. Yeah, back Mike then, Wallace it was all, and, yeah, Dude, yeah, it was a titan. Yeah. But I remember that clock ticking, man. And how about how that, that screwed us all up in our generation. And then, uh, you know, and I'm a Dave Matthews Band fan. But the reason everybody loves Dave Matthews Band in our generation is because of the Muzak that played at the mall. With the ba 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 you remember that? And we're all sitting there in the stroller when we're kids. Mom's pushed us around the mall. We're here. That was Dave Matthews. No, that was light jazz. But Dave Matthews sounds just has a lot of that in his music. Oh, he stole the mall music genre. It's music, yeah. And so now, like when that came out, everybody's like. You know, you wouldn't think of in the rise of '90s alternative music that a band with a with a fiddle player or a violin player and a and a saxophone mm. player would be popular, but it was it's a great show though. Saw in Charlotte live. Oh, Dave's awesome. awesome. But I tell you, the Muzak. So the Muzak and sixty minutes. Those are two pop culture things that have infiltrated the brains of most Gen Xers. <laughs> and, and I say that because I feel bad because nobody ever talks about our generation anymore. They're, they're just like, skip right to the millennials. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. They're still mad at the baby boomers. Skip right to the millennials and then yeah. Gen Zers. So nobody what are we in now? What what are, what are these kids, like the, the kids on college campuses that are being uh, indoctrinated and don't know what they're protesting and putting up Gen- signs just for the sake of putting up signs? Which, which Is that Gen Z? That's Gen Z. Man, we're okay. still in Gen Z. Gen Z. Goodness gracious. Ooh, shoe buddy. But yeah. uh, anyway, but that's, uh, <laughs> that's, uh, that's the gen. And I mean, like, I always, I always like to point out Gen X things because nobody, nobody ever talks about us. We were, we're still around, about, damn it. Hey, gen look, X. We, we, we were the last generation that didn't have, like, when we were growing up, we didn't have access to all this technology and communication. Didn't have internet, didn't mm-hmm. have cell phones. Cell phones. I could only imagine what I would have been like in high school if I had those two things. I'm afraid to know. Me too. Because all I had was sports, and I was happy to to do it and participate in it and and follow it. It helped shape whatever the heck I am today. But if I had access to all that other stuff, who knows? Who knows? We could be... uh, we could be talking about my mugshot here on JC and Morgan. And thankfully we're not. Thankfully we're not, because I don't have Jackie Childs on retainer to get me out of such a rut. Uh, <laughs> our, our thanks again to everybody tuning in. Tim Brando will join us next week. Again, his wife is sick. We wish uh, he and the missus well. Uh, and uh, look forward to chatting with him next week with even more subjects that we'll get into. As always, you can go to our website, jcandmorgan.com. You can email us on the mailbag. And uh, we welcome all of you that have been listening to us on Spotify and Google Play and iTunes. If you want, the option is there to see us as well on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Closing thoughts by Sherb Nation. Well, just uh, probably uh, not not a big blockbuster lineup of games this weekend, but uh, certainly some intriguing ones uh, to watch. With with this weekend, Mike, I call it a localized weekend. Mm-hmm. Where there are games that matter a whole lot to fan bases, but if you're just right. looking at it macro, eh, it's just kind of so, so, so. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. It's very localized this week. Uh, but uh, at Rice Eccles Stadium, you just don't march in there and expect to win, brother. 
That's no, uh, sir. That's, I've been there before, not for a game. I went there and covered uh, up Salt Lake City in the summertime. By the way, is great, beautiful. Um, and I went there to cover a camp um, during the off season and drove by old Rice Eccles Stadium and took a selfie back in '09. I'm sure it's been remodeled and stuff since then, but uh, the Utes are—I mean, they're, they're consistent, man. They are pain in the butt. If I'm the Big Twelve, I'm like, oh god, these guys are coming in our league. I, I'm not worried about just about anybody else, but I'm looking at Utah going, man. They, they're a lot—they're built differently than the Big Twelve. They're tough, physical. There's not thinking. There's not a lot of Big Twelve teams that are built that way, dude. Now Gary Patterson's not walking through that door at TCU. Yeah, that's right. That's and that's a yeah. great analogy. I mean, they they can be the the Gary Patterson TCU teams of yesteryear. Mm-hmm. Their, yes. their, their DNA is very very similar, uh, and they will not have they will they will be just fine. They will not have problems adjusting. I'm convinced of it. I, I think they've got the right coach and everything else. Uh, I'll leave you with this. Right, since we started talking about music for random reasons, Rice Eccles Stadium, which seats about fifty-four thousand, they had fifty-four thousand record crowd for that uh, uh, Florida game earlier this year. The other record crowd was the year before when they beat uh, Caleb Williams the first of three straight times. Fifty-three thousand saw that one. Uh, famous concerts in two thousand in sync. One of your favorites of all time, JC. Oh yeah. Uh, in 2011, U2, The Dang, Fray was the opening act. Wow, uh, The Fray, I, I get behind that one. 2018, Imagine Dragons. I would personally rather see a band at random than Imagine Random uh, Dragons. They're just, okay. I just can't. I, sort I can't. of emo-ish. Yeah, I'm just, I, 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 I can't get behind that one. And, and their music has been forced down our throat on a lot of pregame telecasts oh, for whatever reason the people that run tv networks were big imagine dragon fans four or five years ago they're not gen x or millennials yeah exactly uh 2021 garth brooks and get Ooh. your tickets now 2024 june 7th and 8th luke combs heading to salt lake city my Utah. god we have officially covered the gamut here on JC and Morgan today. You buddy. Uh, again, thanks to everybody. We'll be back with you Monday morning. And Tim Brando will join us then for JC. For the Mad Dog, Phil Molinex, keeping us technically sound. Mike Morgan saying so long for now. Enjoy your week and another great college football weekend ahead.